0: God's Word from beginning to end has asked the same question of what does the Lord require of you? And down through the history, Genesis, Exodus and following... The kings, the captivity, the restoration into the New Testament in Jerusalem, the establishment of the church, and down through the day until as long as this world shall stand, the question is still there. What does the Lord require of you? And as we read the scriptures, we have seen the various answers and the concepts that men have come up with. And not those that are in opposition to God, but for those who have had a knowledge of God. Familiarity with his word and his will and his actions, and yet at times have still missed what the Lord is asking of us. In the book of Micah, in the sixth chapter, God is pleading with his people once again. Micah chapter six, starting in verse one. Hear now what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hear let the hills hear your voice. Hear, O you mountains, the Lord's complaint. You strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a complaint against his people. And he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? Testify against me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of bondage. I set before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember now what Balap king of Moab counseled, and what Balaam the son of Beor answered him, from Acadia Grove to Gilgal, that you may know the righteousness of God. With what shall I come before the Lord? And bow myself before the high God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. what Micah recorded for us, again, is not just for his day. It's for our benefit as well, as Paul reminds us in Romans 15, 4, the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we, through the instruction of the scriptures, might have hope. The Lord has always been plain in what he's asked. To do justly, To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The terms that God has set forth as opposed to, as the reading gives the impression, the response of the people. They're looking for what they can do on their terms rather than doing justly. Well, if I transgress, why don't I just offer more sacrifice? If I need to offer the rivers or the oil for anointment, why don't I just offer 10,000 rivers of oil? And if my sin requires a death, would you be satisfied, God, if I gave you the death of my firstborn? the transgression of my soul, would that make you happy, God? And they've missed what God has asked. And man has not changed. Even in the Lord's church at times, man has not changed in wanting to come up with his terms of what he believes God would be pleased with in our life, Or of a sacrifice that we may make to him on our terms along the way. God did require some of the things that the people were responding to. Leviticus 1, 1 through 13, the offering of the the calves and the rams, for example. But as you read Leviticus 1, 1 through 13, And then you read the book of Malachi, you see a difference there. God required the best of the flock. That would be a sacrifice on the behalf of the people. You kept the rest of the flock, but you offer God the best of the flock. About the days of Malachi, they were offering God the sick, the lame, and the blind. They were not giving as they ought to have given, as Malachi would go on to state to them. They were claiming to be God's people. They were claiming to be followers of God's word. They were claiming to have a relationship with him, but they had not done what Micah has talked about here to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. They would go to the absurd. If you want oil, I'll give you a thousand rivers of oil. That's not what God was looking for. Everything that they offered was to be the best. Their life was to be an offering to God. They were to give God their life. And they were to believe that God would be their God. And that he would provide for them. But they had already forgotten that. They forgot that the day they came up out of the land of Egypt. That God would lead them. And God would provide for them. They complained about both. God leading them into the wilderness. And God not providing for them in the way that they would like to have been provided for. They would prefer to remember the cucumbers, the leeks, and the garlics and be slaves in Egypt than to be under the almighty hand of God, guiding, protecting, providing for them. Gratitude? Where is it in their life? To do justly. To act towards God and man according to the divine standard of righteousness revealed in his word. See, the justice is according to God. His standards that he sets forth. Seeing in loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You're seen in loving your neighbor as yourself. And then Israel again. Well, who is my neighbor? Was not who they had suspected it might be. But they hadn't missed the concept that began in Genesis 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He formed and shaped this earth. He created everything in it and he created man in his own image in his own likeness. He gave them dominion over everything on the earth. But they would fail to do what God had asked. Just do what I say. And again, when Satan was effective then, and he still remains effective today, and that challenging of the Word of God. Oh, God really did not mean what he said. You're not going to die, paraphrasing. And it's still effective today. What does the Lord require you? Love, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind. And we say, no, no, not all. I'll give you most. But all requires a sacrifice on my part. And I may have to give up something in this world of which we already know it's going to fade away. And we know at one time when this world comes to an end, it's going to cease to be. So why do we allow the world to come between us and God and doing what he wants and doing justice within our life? The failure for Israel to do justice, it is what oftentimes led them into captivity along the way. We look over in Zechariah. In chapter 7, in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Execute true justice, show mercy and compassion, everyone to his brother. Do not oppose the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor, Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. But look at verse 11. But they refused to heed, shrugged their shoulders, stopped their ears that they could not hear. Yes, they made their heart like flint, refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent by his spirit Through the former prophets. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts. He goes on to say he would scatter them like the whirlwind among all the nations. They refuse. That concept of again is not your physical location. It's not your heritage physically, being able to trace lineage, if you will, back into faithful members of the Lord's church, so on and so forth. It's your heart, which the scriptures say is to be circumcised. The heart is to be given to God, to show that you are his. And they refuse and they stop their ears from hearing what the Lord of hosts, what God is asking of them. And then they wonder why they would be scattered like the whirlwind among all the nations of the earth. And that they were. Because, again, they would not listen. Things written aforetime are written for our learning. That we, through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. We're to learn from what we read. We're to look and examine the life that we live to make sure that it is to be where God would want it to be. They were to do justly. And they were to love mercy. How can you have any knowledge of God? And not love mercy. How can it be that we would not want to receive mercy of God and that we would not want mercy to be extended to those that we come in contact with, that they may also obtain mercy if they will listen to the Lord? And do the things that would be pleasing in his sight. To show compassion. Warm heartedness. Towards man. We all need that mercy. We see it in a world that. Does not show mercy. We see it in a world that does not have compassion. Compassion. and who are willing to flaunt it and willing to taunt those who would stand for what is right. There is that consequence that goes along with it. Mark reminds us in Mark 7, verses 18 and 19, that the Lord himself Delights in showing mercy. You think about that again. Without his mercy, we have no hope. He has shown mercy, it's not out of grudgingness, it's not out of necessity, it's not out of obligation. He delights, finds pleasure in showing mercy. He's shown it to us. Does he not want to show it with others or to others? But again, they have to be able to hear. We have to be willing to, to share. And we're to walk humbly with our God. Submissive obedience to his desire and his will. Again, when you've seen the grace and the mercy, the patience and the love of God, as demonstrated in the scriptures that he's left for us to guide us, how would we not want to humble ourselves before him? No way for us as human beings to even begin to comprehend the magnitude and the majesty and the power of God. To know that out of all that he has, his grace and his mercy and his willingness to care, he's planned to redeem us. And he's planning to help us through this life. The Hebrew writer reminds us in Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6, that he would never leave us, nor would he ever forsake us. And of the Lord before us, what can man do? He delights in showing mercy. He delights in our being willing to follow him and do his will and to humble ourselves. To his desire. His desire is for us to be saved. That's his desire. That's his goal. That's what he wants. That's what he's planned from the foundation of the world is to have us be in a saved relationship with him so that we could dwell with him eternally. That's his desire. Why would we not want to submit to that and humble ourselves before that? All he wants for us or from us is for our good, that which would benefit us. Again, all you have to do is look at the world around in which we live, and you can see that everything that Satan says brings joy and happiness in your life is a lie. It does not. and everything that they say that brings happiness and they legislate laws to make it legal for them to do it also shows you that it is not effective and it does not do what they claim that it does but loving the lord your god with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all of your mind and loving your neighbor as yourself brings an untold blessing and a richness in this life, but it brings eternal life with God as opposed to the consequence of listening to Satan in his lies in this life. We have to fight against our setting the standard of what we call faithfulness to God. Of our having a checklist that as long as I can go down and check down, here's what I've done, here's what I've done, here's what I've given, and so on and so forth, I've met the requirements of the Lord. I've satisfied His requirements. We haven't touched the hem of the garment, have we? That's us, but that's what we're doing. Having not even come close to what He's asked of us. It's not a checklist. It's the totality of the life. And that's what we need to be willing to give to him. Go back and read Second Corinthians eight about verses one through five. Read about the Macedonians. You were poor beyond description begging Paul not to deprive them the privilege of giving abundantly to the poor Christians in Judea. How many times do you hear that being described for Christians. Please do not deprive us the privilege of giving to God. And I'm not talking about the monetary means. Because Paul said of the Macedonians, the reason they could do that is that they first gave themselves to the Lord. That's what they did. They gave themselves to the Lord first. When I give the Lord my life to begin with, everything I have is His. It's not mine. Well, I give the Lord His portion of money. It's all His money. I'm serving Him. All that I have belongs to Him. He's entrusted to me as a steward. And I'm reminded that a steward is going to be required to give an answer for the stewardship. Here's what I gave you. And how he chooses to do that, we're not told and it's this speculation. But to stand before God and to hear him say, what did you do what I gave you? Well, you didn't give me anything. I gave you life. I gave you hope. I gave you salvation. I gave you love. I gave you mercy. I gave you grace. What have you done with that? Have you shared it? Has it touched your life? Has it turned it around? It's a difficult task to walk in the world and not allow the mud of the world to get on your feet. But we walk in the world by the grace of God. Trust in Him that as we stumble and as we fall and as we repent and confess that He can forgive and restore. And more than that, that He holds that against us no more. been talking with a Christian, and we've talked for 30 years over the, that Christian trying to forgive herself for what she said and what she did 30 years ago. Cannot let it go. It just tears her apart she just cries and bemoans and says I'm so sorry for what I did I'm so sorry for what I said it's gone God's already taken care of that and I was reminding her when Satan your thoughts in your mind when Satan brings up what you did in the past simply tell him he's too late he's too late The blood of Christ has already taken care of that. That's in the past. The blood of Christ has already covered that. Let's move on. Oh, but I cannot get over it. You need to. You need to move on and let the grace of God flood your soul. Renew that spirit and understand the hope that you have. Our lives are shaped by our deeds that we've done, good and bad. The words that we've said, the deeds that we've done, that we should have or should not have done, that molds us and shapes us, makes us who we are. And we have to press on. We cannot live in that life that we can, in a time zone that we cannot go back to. Oh, I wish I could have done it differently. I wish I could have said it differently, and so on and so forth. That's over with. I'm afraid of what I might say in the future. That has not come. We live now and we serve God now. We're shaped by what we've done and what we say. But do we love him? Do all that he's requiring of us. Yea, there are essentials that he's asked of us. Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the habit of some. There is this assembly. But that's not the totality of our commitment to God. We can assemble and our heart and our mind can be a thousand miles away. That's not meeting God's requirement. Dear none unto others, well I'll do the very minimum, whatever that may be. I'll set the standard for that. This is what I'll do, and I'll go this far and no farther. That's not what God did for us. He went far beyond that. And why? Because he delighted in showing mercy to us. And he delights in our being his children. From what we read, I think he delights in having an opportunity, that anticipation of that eternal dwelling with him. You just think about what he's prepared for us. And then you think about whatever it is that Satan is dangling before you, that care that he has out there, whatever it is, is it worth it to lose what I have and with God in heaven? Again, whatever it is that he dangles, we ought to see. One is that he lies. Whatever he promises that that's going to bring to us is not true. It does not satisfy. does not bring the happiness. does not bring contentment. Because when we look with the physical eye and the physical mind. There's always that more, whatever it may be. Again, Satan knows that. He's affected. Forget what the advertisers are offering, whatever it is. Look at the words that they choose to use in making their appeal to you, whatever it may be. The interesting one I've seen recently is whatever the app is, whatever it does, you can boost your score. You have a higher credit rating. And it shows everyone having the score boosted up and then they change the apartment that they live in and they get boosted again. They change the apartment that they're living in. They get all this thing that you get up, you have everything that you want there. What they don't tell you is your income has not gone up that way. But you have the credit so you can live up that way. False. It does not bring what they say it does. Again, to go back to Micah, Here's what the Lord has required of us. To do justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. That's what he asks of us. So the question this evening is, to paraphrase an old old radio uh, program, are you listening? Here is what the Lord requires of you. Are you listening? Are you doing what he asks you to do from the depths of your heart, with joy in your life, and an eager desire to please him. That's your choice. As we sing that imitation song, listen carefully to those words. Do you mean those words? Do you honestly mean the words of this song we're going to sing? I need thee every hour. I'm his 24-7. I need him every hour. Not just at a time for us to meet, but I need him every hour. Where is your relationship to God this evening? Is it where God would have it, to, have it to be? If not, we need to make a change. You may simply need to make that commitment in your life individually, or it may be that you need the help of your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you have a need that we can help you with, making our life right with God, we bid you to come, as together we stand and sing.